on your PC, iPod or smartphone. This is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the fifth episode of season three of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we catch up with the new female football manager for AFL Goldfields, Krista Woodruff. The Sacramento Suns, now Melbourne Uni footballer, Katie Klatt, co-founder of the new North Star Blue Ox, Olivia Von Gareth, and girlsplayfooty.com guest writer, Kirby Fenwick. All of that coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. <laughs> I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the fifth edition of season three of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, which is available to download for free via iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search for Girls Play Footy, or you can hear us on the radio. If you're in Melbourne and you've got a digital radio, just tune it to RSN Carnival from around about 6pm on Wednesday evenings to hear the program first before anyone else does. Let's jump into the first of our interviews as we head towards AFLW Round 5, and our first guest is a football baller with the Geelong Cats VFL women's team, which will make its debut uh, this season, May 6th in fact, against the Box Hill Hawks at Cardinia Park. But the reason why we're chatting to her is because she's the new female football manager for the AFL Goldfields region, and it's great to have on the line Krista Woodruff. Krista, thank you very much for joining us. You're only just a few weeks into your new role. Um, how is everything going there at AFL Goldfields? Uh, look, everything's heating up at the moment. Um organising all the competition structure and um, where we're going to head for 2017. So, yeah, um, it's definitely getting very busy. It's certainly been a task, not only for yourself, but for another a number of community leagues around Victoria because I think it came, I think it was sometime in November, December, the uh, AFL Victoria said, that's it, there is no more VWFL, everything's getting broken up into its regions. Uh, has it just been helter-skelter over the last few weeks to not only uh, take nominations from teams, but as you said, get the schedule, find the grounds and get a competition up and running? Yeah, look, it's been pretty good, actually. I've, I suppose I've only been in the job for about almost four weeks now, so um, all the guys at Goldfields have done you know, an amazing job um, getting the league organised and... Um, getting a bit of interest from the clubs um, that are going to participate in the competition. So um, really it's just about confirming those teams and um, making sure that moving into 2017 we have um, a really good um, start based and uh, strong strong structure to, to begin with. I guess one thing that you're lucky for is that there's a little bit of a backbone to work off of because last year in the VWFL there was a Goldsfields division made up of uh, five teams. Yeah, look, that it really does make um, make everything a little bit easier. We did have a few sides um, already in the competition, so it was just a matter of uh, finding out what original sides would um, be given to us, I suppose, um, in the gold field, and also um, looking at interest from other clubs who might be interested in um, signing up and, and getting some more women involved. We're interested in what you're talking to these sides about because just recently you were down at the Drysdale Football Club. The Drysdale Hawks are based on the Ballerine Peninsula. What's some of the things that you're talking through to them when they were having the information night? Yeah, look, I suppose um, the most important thing is letting them know what um, the structure of the competition is all about, what teams um, we have confirmed at the moment and um, where we're heading with the league. So... Um, making sure that the players, the potential players, are aware of the competition, um, but also making sure that the club's aware of um, where we're heading and making sure that in, they've got in place the, the structures to 
uh, commit to um, affiliating the side um, and also making sure that the, the club's going to be sustainable moving forward. And I guess it's very important to point out, since I mentioned Drysdale, and also we can throw North Geelong into that basket, that the sides are in what we call the bar and catchment area, are playing at least for this season in the Goldfields competition? Yeah, yeah. The, look, they've um, you know, made sure that they're coming into our AFL Goldfields um, league at the moment. Of course, once Barwin gets up and running, with their league hopefully in 2018, if not 2019, then the potential is there for them to go back into that region. I suppose we're just making sure that they've still got a, a platform to participate so that once Darwin has uh, the participation numbers up for open age women, then they can field the side and accommodate a competition. I guess the one toughest thing for the country leagues compared to those in suburban areas is if you're working in and around netball because netball's a pretty big uh, part of most country clubs. Yeah, definitely. That We do find uh, primarily for junior participation uh, is that mix between netball and football because generally in juniors it's played on the same day. We're pretty lucky in the Goldfields region the majority of open age netball is actually played on a Saturday. So having our Sunday competition, um, we don't have that clash as such. So it actually allows us to, to utilise those girls that are participating in netball and potentially bring them into football and, um, and, and use them in our competition. At the senior women's level, how big are we looking at for the Goldfields competition? Uh, what's the amount of teams that we're looking at and, and, I guess, the reach of your region? Yeah, so, look, at the moment we've got 11 teams confirmed um, and hopefully a 12th with Drysdale. So that would be a couple from the Geelong area. Um, we've got a couple of teams from the RDFL, so your Sunbury's and, uh, and Melton. Then you've got Carisbrook, um, that's in the Maribyrnong uh, Castlemaine District Football Netball League, uh, and then you've got our Ballarat sides as well. So with a pretty decent area that we're uh, getting teams from, so yeah, it should should make for a good competition. And what's the thinking behind that? If you do manage to get twelve teams up, you're looking at say an eleven round season. Everyone plays each other once. Yeah, look. Uh, the logistics of the actual competition won't be finalised until uh, next Monday night. We'll have our um, club coordinators meeting, but um, I suppose the, uh, across the board, the hope is if we do get the 12 teams up and running, the potential of having two divisions and um, having our more development clubs in one division and maybe our, our stronger clubs that have been participating in uh, female football for a length of time in another division. Because there are some clubs around that, as you said, have been around for a long time. I think of one, uh, for example, Lake Windaree, which has traditionally been strong through the youth girls, uh, a, a club that you used to play for, Bacchus Marsh as well, which I think is coming into its third season. Yeah, yeah. So we've got quite a few clubs that have been around for you know a significant period of time. Um, like you said, Lake Windaree, Bacchus Marsh have been in for a few years. Uh, Redan Football Netball Club, they were actually pretty pretty strong in the VWSL when it was about, um, I think they went up to about Division 2 or 3, so um, we've got a few clubs in and around Ballarat that have been um, established for a significant period of time. 
Now, we know the VAFA women's are starting roughly around uh, mid-April. Um, we've heard that some suburban leagues are going to start April. The VWF, well, what should I say, the VFLW doesn't start until uh, early May. When are you looking at an approximate kickoff time for the Goldfields competition? Yeah, look, we're pretty similar to, I suppose, most of the leagues. We'll probably start our season at the end of April. Um, so we're probably looking at an April 30 start, um, finishing in that early September. And how have the teams been going, I guess, trying to get all the resources? Because I guess, you know, with new women, uh, new clubs, new players in, there's footballs to get, there's volunteers, there's coaches, um, just uh, jumpers, there's everything under the sun that you need to start up a brand new team. How have they been coping with that so far? Yeah, look, I suppose with the clubs that we have involved, um, they've got a pretty good, strong base. Um, the clubs are all aligned, you know, with the men's football clubs, football netball clubs, so... They've got um, pretty pretty good direction um, in amongst the club and good volunteer support as well. So they've been able to make sure that um, they've given the right resources and, and um, made people available to help out with those female football um, sections, I suppose. And we spoke to one player last week, Caitlin Ashmore, of course, is from Ballarat, from the Goldsfields region. Uh, what's the publicity been like around her in town and how has that helped, I guess, kick along the interest in women's football in the Goldfields region? Yeah, look, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, Caitlin is very well known in the Ballarat region. Um, as with a lot of the other female football um in the AFL women's, I think we've... Ballarat um, as a whole in the goldfield section, we've got about 10 or 12 girls um, that have originally come from the area that are participating in the AFL women. So um, Caitlin's definitely an advocate for female football and um, her success will continue to drive female football in our region, but also... Um, we we make sure that we, we try and um, utilise social media and market those girls that might have started grassroots, you know, um, in the region when they were in youth girls or junior girls and they're getting the opportunity this year as well. Now, of course, youth girls have the chance for a representative opportunity because there's the uh, Greater Western Victorian uh, Rebels uh, based out of Ballarat. Uh, for the senior women, if not this year, in, into years ahead, is there hopes that there will be representative sides representing the Goldfields region? Let's say, for example, against either Gippsland or the Northern League or the Southern League. Is there a hope or a pathway for this representative-type football? Yeah, definitely. That's something that we're looking um, into, I suppose, this year to see what what we can do in terms of um, improving the pathway for those those open age footballers. Um, I suppose it comes down to just making sure that um, we we get the league right first um, and then we can introduce those pathways as we go along and, you know, the potential is there for interleague sides to start up. Um, like you said, going up against a, a Bendigo or, or Gippsland, those sorts of things. So um, it's definitely there. It's just a matter of making sure that we do all the right things to, to get those um, those clubs up and running and then we can start looking into those um, academies and interleague sites. We touched on uh, youth girls earlier. We know there's a pretty strong youth girls scene in the Ballarat region. Uh, what's that expanded to so far for the Goldfields competition in youth girls football? Yeah, look, it's 
you know, gold fields um, with the youth girls and junior girls, I think collectively we had about 20 sides last season and that's um, junior girls and youth girls affiliated sides. So this year we're looking at um, between 25 and 30 sides. So overall in gold fields this year, we're looking at about 38 sides collectively across um, women, youth, girls and junior. So, yeah, it's really increasing and um, the girls are really enjoying their football. Focusing on you personally for a moment, you started with Bacchus Marsh in 2015. 2016 made the jump across to North Geelong. And if I'm correct, you're pulling on the Cats hoops and representing Geelong in the VFL Women's Competition for 2017. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Um, yeah, like you said, I started off with the, the Colbury, um, had a bit of a run with them, just decided to pull on the boots for the first time since high school and um, have a run with those guys and caught the bug and um, decided that, yeah, last year I'd have a go at a higher level and went to North Geelong, really enjoyed it and lucky enough um, to be a part of their training squad for Geelong Cats VFL side so far, so fingers crossed I can uh, get a run in their side this year. We've heard of some of the uh, Bendigo women making the trip down to Melbourne uh, for their AFLW commitments. What's it been like for you having to travel from uh, Ballarat through to uh, Geelong, uh, I guess a couple of times a week for your VFLW commitments? Yeah, I suppose um, for someone that lives out in the country and has lived sort of here for, for my whole life, it's, it's no different really. We're used to travelling, whether it be to Melbourne for work or, you know, um, Geelong for footy training. So it's not much of a difference. I don't mind the drive and, um, you know, sport's really important to me. So um, driving to do something that I'm passionate about doesn't worry me at all. Well, Krista, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best in your new role as female football manager at AFL Goldfields. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Our next guest we spoke to on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast last year after she played for the GWS Giants against the Sydney Swans in the AFL Women's Exhibition match at the SCG in April. She and fellow American Kim Hemingway took part in that game and impressed, although none were selected for the New South Wales ACT side that would later play South Australia, and none were drafted this year. But it didn't stop Katie chasing her dreams. In August, she decided to move down to Melbourne and give Aussie rules a go full-time. She ended up playing with the Melbourne Uni Muggers reserves team that was in the VWFL Premier Division and impressed there, enough so that she was recruited into the Victorian Women's Football Academy Academy over the summer, where she's been eagerly working on her skills, hoping for a call-up to the Melbourne Uni main side in the VFL women's competition, and who knows, maybe being drafted to play in the AFL women's competition for season 2018. It's great to have her on the line once again. It's Katie Clatt of the Sacramento Suns. Katie, how are you? How are you enjoying uh, being in Melbourne for the last uh, half a year or so? Oh, I'm really loving it. I mean, you know, I've had my ups and downs and moving to a new country, there's always lots to figure out, but I feel like I'm finally sort of getting the hang of things here. And indeed, as we spoke to you originally, you, you linked up with uh, the Melbourne Uni Muggers. You played a couple of games there, particularly in their Premier Division side, which is their reserves. From the first few games of footy that you played, what was the feedback you were getting from Andrew Jago and all the coaching staff at Melbourne Uni about what they want to see in the development of your game? 
Well, I think it was a lot of adjusting to the pace of the play here because it's a lot quicker. So I have to make, you know, my decision-making has to be quicker. My skills have to be that much more executed better, basically. So it was just a lot of, you know, the, that first month I played was sort of adjusting to the pace and um, figuring out, you know, how to how to work with my teammates. Now, being at the Melbourne Uni Muggers, you'd have played alongside the likes of, at least trained alongside the likes of uh, Emma Carney, Caitlin Ashmore, Ali Blackburn, just to name a few. Um, what's it been like training alongside them? Have you been able to pick their brains and get one-on-one feedback from them to improve your game? Oh, yeah, it's been really great. Um, I do get to train with them, and, um, you know, they'll they'll pull me aside and sort of give me some pointers, and um, they're just great to watch, really, because you can learn so much just from watching them, but... They, they really pick the speed up even at training, so it helps me. You know, I have to sort of rise to the occasion, so um, it really pushes my limits as well. Now, before you came over to uh, Melbourne and even for Sydney for when you played in the exhibition games, I believe Tom Ellis worked with you and, and sped you through the Kick Builders program. Can you tell us what that's all about? Yeah, so um, I did a bit of a quick version of it, but basically, you know, I started... Um, my kick was with, I dropped the ball with two hands. Um, and so that really helped me transition um, my kick to do a one-handed drop and help my kick be a lot more direct and low. Um, so I sort of went through that program, you know, a year ago now um, to get ready for coming over here. And um, it really, really helped a lot. But it, t- it took some time. It doesn't come easy. But um, I think I've, you know, being able to practice it as much as I can here, um, I really feel a lot more comfortable with it now. Uh, the amazing thing about kick builders is, I guess for a lot of Australians, we've never had the kicking technique really broken down because it's almost come natural to us. You know, since we're kids, we've had to kick a footy. It's always just happened without thinking about it. But to explain a little bit, I believe it's all to do with muscle memory. Yes. Yeah, so the first few weeks of it, you don't even kick the footy. <laughs> you have to sort of over and over, even sometimes in front of a mirror, you just hold the footy and you practice, you know, the gripping, the grip of the ball. And then you practice, um, you know, your swing without the footy. And there's a whole, yeah, and it's a lot of repetition, a lot of muscle memory. And then once that happens, you start to see, finally see the transition come in your kick because, uh, yeah, it doesn't come naturally to those of us who have never just grown up watching someone play footy. So you have to kind of learn it all from scratch. And I guess the greatest compliment coming out of that program, I think, was Andrew Jago, the Melbourne Uni coach, telling us he didn't know which foot was your natural foot. <laughs> well, sometimes I find myself using a left foot in the game almost all the time. You know, people expect you to go to your right, so it helps that, you know, my left can, you know, usually works for me in a game. Now, of course, you're with the Victorian uh, Women's Football Academy. You're part of that program. Can you give us an insight to some of the things that you're being taught that, that's being worked on to improve your game? Oh, yeah. Well, so in the first, last year, in the beginning of the program, it was all about skill development. So, you know, you're kicking, you're hand passing, you're taking marks, that sort of thing. And then um, now that we're into the new year, it's been a lot more focused on um, game simulation and which is that is the part that I really feel like I need to work on because um, obviously I just don't have the same amount of game time as um, players here. So it's been really great. You know, we talk about, you know, positioning on the field, um, where to be in, you know, when there's a, a ball up, you know, all the, how to anticipate the play coming next. Um, and then on top of that, you know, they're teaching us, 
um, how to run properly, you know, weight training, all this all in one package. And it's been really challenging, but really great. And how often are you participating in that program? Is it two, three nights a week? Well, we go in only once a week. So I go to the Essendon facilities in Telemarine on Tuesdays. Um, but they have a program for us outside. So we're expected to complete, um, you know, X amount of runs and weightlifting and things throughout the week when you're not with them and do your club training. And you have to log every morning and every night in an app on your phone about, you know, how many minutes of whatever sort of exercise you did that day. So they're keeping track of us even when we're not there. And have they been able to identify what type of footballer you are so far? Have they tried to put you into the group of, we believe you're going to be a midfielder or an attacking midfielder or a forward, we believe you'll be better in defence? Have they kind of put you into that pigeonhole yet? You know, I don't think people can really figure out where they want to put me because I end up floating around a lot, but usually I don't go to the forward line. Um, I might be in the midfield, I might be in the defensive line. That's usually where I go, but I don't really have one set spot. Now, North Melbourne, that is a combination of the Melbourne Uni women's team and some Tasmanian invites, uh, took on uh, Darabin on the weekend at Arden Street Oval in a practice match. Uh, can you tell us what it was like? Um, obviously, some of the footballers you knew because you're training with them at Melbourne Uni, but trying to gel together with a team with almost 10 complete strangers from Tasmania. Right. Well, so they came in on the Saturday morning, the day before, and um, we trained all together as a team. We went to a team dinner, and then we went to the... Um, AFL women's match at Wynn Noble that night. So um, we got to spend a good portion of Saturday together, so it helped that we could, you know, learn everyone's names. And at training, we really focused on, you know, watching each other and learning their strengths and weaknesses. Who's a left footer? Uh, who can kick? How far can everyone kick the footy? That sort of thing. So when we focused on that, it really helped to sort of speed it up. But, I mean, it was a bit of a challenge, but I, I felt like we gelled together really well in the game. So I guess it worked. <laughs> And what was it like running out into Arden Street Oval? Of course, for uh, many true, passionate football fans out there, it's a bit of a sacred ground because uh, there hadn't been an AFL match played on there for about 30 years since it used to be used in the VFL as North Melbourne's home ground. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, the, we got to watch the men's game before and, you know, they gave us a guard of honour as we ran out and you could really feel that this um, occasion was a special one. Um so it was very exciting. Everyone was a bit nervous. You know, we were all pumped and ready to go. So um, it was really cool to be a part of that. And how did you find the game personally? Because to be fair for Darabin, it was essentially a reserves team for them because their best dozen or so, of course, as we know, are all like with some of Melbourne Uni's best playing at AFLW. Mm-hmm. So your Brennans, Pierce's, O'Day's, Paxman, etc. obviously weren't playing. Um, what? How did you feel that the standard was? I felt it was pretty good for... Um, you know, the level that we're at currently. So a lot of the girls um, I know from Darabin and our team are new to footy. And because of the AFL Women's League, we've just been attracting so many new players. And I think it's such a good thing for them to get a taste of what it's like and sort of, you know, everyone to sort of um, learn what the standard is. So, um, I mean, it was, a, it was a tough game of footy. You know, nothing was easy. Um, but I felt like, you know, in the, at the end of the day, I think we were just able to gel really well and put together some clean passes that, ended up in lots of goals for us. And, of course, for yourself, uh, an interview and a small little feature on uh, North Melbourne Football Club's website. Ah, yes. 
goodness. <laughs> Hopefully that's not a fine back to the social fund back at the yeah, Sacramento Suns. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably going to get made fun of a bit for that, but that's all right. <laughs> uh, just uh, for you personally as well, off the field, um, you managed to spend September in Melbourne, um, your first September in Melbourne. So what do you think as an outsider of footy culture here, particularly when we ramp it up during finals? Oh my gosh, I absolutely love it. I mean, it is it's such an experience. You know, the whole community gets around it. And I think that it's it's very different from any sporting environment that I've come from, you know. And it's just, I love how families, friends, everyone really gets around it. And, uh, you know, everyone is so uh, excited about it. And it's it's such a big deal. And even, you know, before it was a professional women's league, you know, it's you'd you think it was just because the amount of... Um, you know, the amount of preparation that goes into it and, uh, you know, how much the girls are really getting themselves ready. And, you know, I just, I just, it was, I was blown away by it really. And it was, it was so fun and exciting to be a part of and just to see it all unfolding and be a part of it. I just loved it. You're one of the few that actually managed to get into uh, Icon Park. Not like yours truly, you got (laughs) locked out. (laughs) Yes, yes, I did get to go to that first women's game and uh, I, I could not have been happier about the turnout. I mean, I don't think anyone expected it to be locked out. I mean, it was supposed to start at Holden Center for, you know, and then the, just the amount of excitement around it and the atmosphere was so good. I mean, everyone was into it and um, just you could tell the girls were loving it. Is there a moment when you're sitting there that it hits you that, oh, my God, if things go to plan, that is actually going to be you out there? <laughs> I don't know. I, I try not to think too far ahead because I have a long way to go. But I mean, I would lo- I would absolutely love that. But you know, I have to put in the hard work because you know these girls have put in a lot of time and effort, and uh, you know now I need to do that before I can get there. So I would absolutely love to be a part of it. But uh, goodness, you know, I just that day you just had to soak it all in. You know, typical question, but it's an action packed 2017, and we need to know what you're most nervous and excited about. Is it the start of the VFLW season is it IC17 or is it the draft in October oh gosh well I'd say you know first things first you know this year I'd really like to um, make it onto the VFL squad so uh, I still have a lot of work to get there so you know all these girls are going to be coming back from the AFL and you know I have to be able to keep up in order to in order to make it so that's sort of my first Thing. you know that's coming up sooner but um you know i'm always thinking about the international cup you know we're getting you know the girls are getting prepared for it we've got a camp uh two months away and you know we're all training for that as well so i'm trying to stay involved with everyone from afar and getting excited for everyone to be coming over here and we certainly look forward to the usa freedom coming down to melbourne to participate in the 2017 afl international cup between august 5th and august 19th katie thank you very much for your time and all the very best in your journey with the uh, Melbourne Uni Muggers this season and fingers crossed for the uh, AFLW draft in October. Hopefully you get picked up for the 2018 season. Let's get into the next of our interviews and it's another American. Uh, This woman is from the Midwest of the USA in Minnesota, in fact. They've already got a team there in the Minneapolis-St. Paul's area called the Minnesota Freeze. Been around for a number of years and at one stage actually fielded two women's sides, the USAFL Nationals. But with footy being so popular there, a few of the girls have decided to break away and form their own independent women's footy side called the North Star Blue Ox. And I've got one of their co-founders on the line in Olivia Van Gareth. 
Olivia, thank you very much for joining us on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast and uh, congratulations, I guess, on starting this brand new side. But the first question I need to ask is everyone's used to Giants, Lions, Eagles, Bombers, Magpies, Hawks, etc. Tell us about the Blue Ox. Where, where did the idea for this name come from? Well, the Blue Ox is, uh, is symbolic of one of the two central figures that is really tied to, to Minnesota. So I don't know if you ever heard of Paul Bunyan. Um, there's uh, uh, Paul Bunyan and, and the Blue Ox. Babe, Babe the Blue Ox is one of the two, um, uh, I guess, uh, figures that is symbolic of, of Minnesota, of uh, uh, the Bemidji, which is a town just kind of more in the, in the northern area of Minnesota. So um, they are symbolic figures of the, the lumbering company back in, I, I can't remember what the dates, 1800s, I would guess. So we wanted a name that is, you know, that ties us to Minnesota. But that is uniquely our own, and we figured, you know, blue ox, blues. You know, we saw that the Carlton blues. So <laughs> eventually, who knows? You know, what will gravitate to just shorten it. But uh, we just thought that we wanted something that really um, identifies us as a Minnesota team. How did the conversation start to start this new team in the Minnesota area, the Blue Ox? Um, there have been some circumstances that occurred, uh, resulted from uh, the end of the season last year with with the freeze, uh, the women's team. And uh, I think there's some of us that uh, thought that, you know, with all the changes that are going on and the, the growth of women and the AFL women's team, you know, now being broadcast live, it just was an opportunity for us to really make a change. I know that uh, in the Midwest, we've always been challenged as well with not having other women's team to play with. So we either had to go to the East Coast or the West Coast to play with some of the women's team there. So they're just, you know, with the circumstances, we turn it as a golden opportunity for us to really uh, expand uh, in, uh, to a new team, support some of the other teams here in the Midwest to help them to grow as well, and you know, give the Freeze another another team to be able to play with. So, and uh, what what better what better state than Minnesota? <laughs> and you're not short of numbers there. I mean, if we go back to uh, the Freeze from a couple of years ago at the Nationals, they actually fielded two teams there. So that shows that there's certainly enough women interested in wanting to play Aussie Rules football in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Minnesota actually has quite a few other sports. We have uh, um, ultimate football, there's rugby. So there's definitely a, a pool of women that are out there that don't really know yet about uh, about Australian rules football. So we're hoping to really be able to tap into that and, and you know, create a strong new team. How daunting is it to start a new football team in the USA? I mean, if it if it happens in Australia, yes, you've got to get players, uniforms, etc. But when you do it in Australia, you can literally walk down to the shops and buy what you need. You do your fundraising, start an Aussie Rules team. Everyone knows what you're talking about, and everything that you can get is within easy reach. How difficult is it to get all those things in the Midwest? Um, I think, you know, the, the, the four of us that are part of this new club now, or this new team, we've had some experiences being involved in, in serving in leadership capacity with, with the women's freeze and also, you know, on the board. So there's uh, definitely an experience there in, in being able to um, identify some ways for us to do some fundraising and to get some sponsorships. So I know that the Women's Association last year, the USAFL Women's Association, you know, that was one of the big initiatives as well to really um, look for sponsorships. So I think... Um, there is uh, opportunities there, and you know, there's definitely a lot of companies here that are really uh, supporters of women and women's sports. So we're hoping to be able to tap into that. 
We've been asking some of the other teams about this, and we'll ask you the same question. Now that the AFL Women's League is up and running and it's being streamed live on, on Watch AFL, how important is that for you as a selling tool to be able to go around to women who don't quite know what the sport is and be able to show, here it is, it's streamed online, watch here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, now that uh, you know the EFL Grand Women's Grand Final is going to be at seven thirty, I believe our, our time. Uh, we're we're jumping on that opportunity. It's actually one of the the, the uh, social events that we're going to host. So right now we're kind of just just having discussion about finding a venue that will be able to allow us to be able to host this and uh, and, and find a way to, to stream it. So I think it will be a really great way for us to invite friends and in. Um, neighbors and who else, you know, to be able to come and actually be able to see the sport and to see women play too. So that's an exciting part as well. Uh, that, of course, is March 25th in Australia, March 24th in the US, and it begins at roughly, I think, about 8.30 p.m. Uh, central time, or depending on whatever the daylight savings work out to be. Um, just to give you a bit of an insight, um, particularly if you have a look at the men's version, the men's AFL grand final, how big is that, is that as a fundraiser for many of those US AFL clubs? I, I, you know, I haven't really any news about what the other clubs are doing or if they're jumping on this kind of an opportunity. I think we really didn't look at it as, as a fundraiser, as really more a, as a way to promote uh, one, Australian rules football and two, our new club and to be able to use that as a recruiting opportunity. Of course, you know, if there's a way for us to do it as a fundraiser too, we can certainly uh, and do that, do that as well. And uh, for the North Star Blue Ox, when does training begin? When do you finally start getting into it and building up towards uh, hopefully your first regional tournament? Well, we're actually having our first kick, community kick uh, on the Saturday, so the day uh, after um, the uh, the AFL Grand Final or AFL the Women's Grand Final. So we've invited um, just posted it on Facebook and hoping that you know. Uh, People come out and, and check it out in, in Tennessee, and so we're just going to make this very laid back, just uh, maybe just more like the basic skills of kicking and, and handballing. Um, we're still working on as far as like our schedule goes, and of course, you know, we always want to be sensitive to the the schedule that the freeze women are, are uh, have too as well. They typically uh, have their practice on Saturdays and and Mondays, so we want to make sure that we are not scheduling our 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 practice at the same time. So it gives an opportunity for the women that are still kind of tied to the freeze, you know, that want to practice, to have more opportunities to really, to play, to improve their skills. They can still go and, and practice with the women freeze. So I'm, I'm one as well. I mean, I paid my dues through the freeze. And, you know, of course, you know, you, you can't just cut your ties. You, you know, I've been a part of that team for five years and love and support the women there. You know, they're my friends. You know, that's the aspect of this as well is not only just the sport, you do about friendship. So. Um, I continue to go into the dome sessions and hopefully, you know, can continue to do that. And if you're a woman from the, from the freeze that want another option, another opportunity to practice, they can, they're more than welcome to come and, and practice with us. You talked about Midwest footy, of course, uh, not having as much opportunities as those on the coast, such as obviously if you play uh, in New York, you've got uh, Boston fairly close nearby, for example, or you can head into uh, Washington and play Columbus, Baltimore. And if you're on the West Coast, obviously, if you're Sacramento, you can now travel to play San Francisco and even down to Los Angeles now. Um, how far is the travelling distance from Minnesota to the other cities? And, and how often, are, particularly, I guess, in your past in Minnesota and now probably with North Star, are you able to travel or have opponents from outside the region? 
Oh, well, last year, I know that the, the part of the freeze, we went uh, out in the West Coast, so we went and played with the Portland women um, in their, in their Western Region Conference. Last year, we really didn't have any teams here in the Midwest, so it was kind of uh, the decision was just to go out west, and then we went down to, and played with the women uh, in Denver. So this year, uh, I know that the Columbus women sent out an email to invite women here in, in the Midwest to go to um, the Des Moines tournament. So we're planning to go down there, and we'll kind of see, you know, what numbers we have, and hopefully have enough to to play uh, a team a game. Well, we so hope- that will be the, the first the first uh, event we'll have. Well, we hope that all goes very well. Now, Olivia, if people are looking for more information about uh, either sponsoring or signing up to play with the North Star Blue Ox, how can they go about that? Well, we have a website um, that is uh, available as well, and but we do have Facebook. I think the Facebook one will have the, the schedule events that we have, so they can certainly go and, and sign up for any of the events. And uh, we do have uh, TwinCitiesFooty.com. Excellent. So people can uh, get along there and check that out. Olivia, thank you very much for your time and joining us here on Girls Play Footy. And we wish you all the very best in setting up this new women's footy team in the Midwest of the United States. Thank you very much. And, you know, I hope to see you in San Diego then for the national tournament. And, of course, I should point out that the 2017 USAFL Nationals being held in San Diego, California on the third weekend of October this year. In case you're interested in flying across or if you want to watch their games that get streamed online, uh, you can view more details on their website, usafl.com, as we get closer to the tournament in October. A couple of Rising Star nominations announced for this week. Coming out of round four, Jasmine Grierson of the Melbourne Football Club was nominated for a NAB Rising Star and also the Lions marquee player in Sabrina frederick Traub. And she spoke on Tuesday to Lions TV about uh, how the news was broken to her, that she was a nominee, and also how she's settling into life in Queensland after moving across from WA and expectations heading into this Saturday night's big game against the Adelaide Crows at Norwood Oval. Um, well, when I found out, I was actually tricked into a, a media um, project that I had going on and I thought I was actually getting in trouble to start off with, um, but when I found out that I was getting the NAB Rising Star, um, I was in relief, to be honest, um, that I wasn't in trouble. But uh, no, it was an amazing honour and to be up against some of the greatest athletes going around at the moment, young athletes and greatest people, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah, I'd like to see myself as a consistent player, just someone the team can rely on. Uh, I wonder if that's just because my training's been consistent and the feedback that I've had from my coaches have been consistent on what I can work on so I can just keep going on the rise and maybe that's that's what it is or maybe it's just uh, just excitement of being out there. Yeah, made the move not long ago, about six months now, but uh, no, I'm really enjoying it and uh, I can call Brisbane home now. I think the other night at training I had a jumper on and they said you're a real Queenslander now that you're finding it cold. So yeah, I'm just really enjoying it being here. Big game against them. I mean, they're not on top of the ladder for no reason, so it's going to be a, a good match I think and hopefully a lockout as well we'll have the support there but I mean I guess the, the team that's going to play the best is going to come away with the win so it's going to be a good one. That's Sabrina frederick Traub there, one of the two NAB AFLW Rising Star nominees for this week. Time to look forward to round five of the AFL Women's Competition. And I've got joining us on the line one of our guest contributors to the girlsplayfooty.com website in Kirby Fenwick. Kirby, thank you very much for joining us. Let's focus on game one, which is happening Friday afternoon out of all times at five past five at uh, Blacktown International Sports Park in Sydney. It's the GWS Giants playing host to the Melbourne Demons. Yeah, uh, I, it's 
got to be Melbourne, really, doesn't it? Um, I mean, the last couple of weeks for them have just been fantastic. It all kind of started in the second half um, against Collingwood, and they've just been able to keep that going. So, I, yeah, I'm going to have to say Melbourne, for sure. It seemed like something flicked the switch there, didn't it? Because um, prior to that, I mean, they were struggling against the Brisbane Lions. They'd only kicked one goal in the first half against Collingwood. But whatever they did, whatever they said, it switched something on between the years for all those players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know what they had in their drink bottles at uh, halftime, but I wouldn't mind some, that's for sure. um, Yeah, they've just been fantastic. Um, I mean, last week, that combination of Daisy Pierce and and Karen Paxman and Lisa Day, you know, racking up near 30 disposals each. She's, um, yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. It's great to see. Um, but it's also putting um, Melbourne in a really good position, I think. And a couple of rising stars a few weeks in a row. Of course, uh, Lily Mithin was a rising star, I think, last week. And this week, uh, Jasmine Grierson, uh, 16 disposals and a rising star nomination for her. Yeah, it's, that's really exciting for the, young, for the young girls to see them doing so well. Um, and pretty exciting for the future of the competition, you know, to think these superstars are, are so young and we're going to have them for another 10 years at least. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Talking about 10 years, that's how it could be until uh, the GWS winner flag. They've been struggling this year besides the uh, draw against Fremantle and boy, oh boy, do they get the run around from the Lions. Yeah, that was that was um, not great. Um I don't know. I think there's some good signs there. I, I think they do have some great players, um, Watson being one of them. Um, there is some, some really great signs there. It's just unfortunate they haven't sort of been able to string it together. I mean, it would have been wonderful for them to get the win over Frio. Um, but, yeah, just hope we able to get it together um, for them. But I'm, I'm pretty confident that they will get there, but they won't have to wait 10 years. Stanton got on the scoreboard for them, uh, also getting on the uh, scorecard um, uh, previously. had been the likes of McWilliams, who's been a star for them up forward. As you said, Swanson's back in the side as well. Perugia doing well with the tagging, but um, it just seems to be they just don't have enough star quality power there to be able to uh, go full, the full four quarters with the other sides. Yeah, yeah I guess that's, that's, that's a good point. Um, I, I don't know what it is. I've, I've watched them play a couple of games, and like you said, um, if Williams is great. Um, yeah, they've, I, I don't know what it is. It's just that, it's that footy, isn't it? You've just got to, um, got to be able to put it together for four quarters, and they just haven't been able to do that yet. But I'm confident that they will, and um, yeah, are, are they going to get there? They'll definitely get there. Um, I guess the next big question is um, how many are going to turn up at Blacktown? Because it's going to be a curtain raiser to the men's JLT series game. 5.05 on a Friday afternoon. That's really pushing it for, I guess, kids to get out of school and get there on time. And, of course, the notorious Sydney traffic. Yeah, it's, it's not great scheduling. Um, I've said that before on, on Twitter. Um, it's really not great scheduling and it's kind of disappointing um, for the AFL to, to do something like that uh, because, like you said, 5 o'clock, you know, on a Friday night, um, how are people going to get there? How are you going to get to a ground by 5.05? Um, I believe it's West Sydney, so people have to get out to the ground. Um, pretty disappointing, really, that they schedule it like that. And it, um, Hopefully... And even more so when you count in that with this round, there's actually no Sunday matches. Yeah. So, I mean, why couldn't they schedule it for a Sunday afternoon? 
It's, it is an excellent question and uh, certainly one to ponder. But as you said, you're going for Melbourne. Talk about an interesting clash uh, on Saturday, 4th of March, 11.35am. Again, this is a curtain race to a men's JLT match. Uh, Carlton and the Western Bulldogs at Icon Park. Um, technically, the Bulldogs aren't out of the finals race, but it'd be extremely difficult to get there. For Carlton, they're teetering on the edge now and um, a draw or a loss against the Bulldogs and they're done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Carlton were um, looking good early on, but uh, obviously we've had a couple of mishaps. Um, as will probably be known to anyone that reads my column for Girls Play Footy, I'm a diehard Bulldogs supporter. Um, so my, my money will be on the Bulldogs this weekend for that reason alone. Um, yeah, but it'll be exciting for us to get another win. Um, and seeing that Daisy is, is likely not going to be uh, in the Blues team again this week, um, that, that's a good sign for the Bulldogs. And probably the big thing uh, for the Bulldogs is Katie Brennan. And from what I'm reading on Twitter, it's incredibly vague, but it may be suggestions that she might be done for the season. Who knows? But it's uh, all been about, you know, wanting to get back out there for the red, white and blue. But when that is sooner rather than later, nobody knows. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, not, not great for us Bulldogs. Um, love, to see, love to see Katie back out on the track. Um, but also long-term, it's important to make sure that, um, you know, there's not an injury there that's going to put her um, put her future in jeopardy. So, um, you know, got to look after her in that respect. But as it is only a seven-week season, um, even a minor injury like, in, like an ankle um, takes a huge chunk out of their season. And that's an interesting point of view for the coaching staff as well. Because it's such a tight season, it's a case of if someone's got that 50-50 injury, do you risk them to keep your season alive or do you look at the current situation, which they are at the moment, only one win for the year and three losses, and do you go, even though we're a mathematical chance, let's just put the queue on the rack? Yeah, and look, that's the call for the coaching staff for Katie to make themselves. Um, and, and that is... That, Coaches are having to make those difficult calls. But I think in the long term, you're better off um, making sure that your players are going to be good to go around uh, for later seasons rather than risking them possibly doing more damage and um, and maybe you know putting them in jeopardy for the VFL seasons and, and also for uh, the season next year as well. So they are definitely tough decisions for coaches and for players to make given the short season. Um, but yeah, I think you have to do the right thing by um, not just by the team, but also by the player and their, and their future. And uh, I should mention, Emma Carney held well last week by Alicia Eva of the Collingwood Magpies, and that is the uh, first game I think that Carney's had where she's been kept under twenty disposals. Yeah, she's a superstar for us. Um, very important player, um, and she was she was um, well held on the weekend by by Collingwood, so that was um, you know props for them. Um, but she's a very important player for us, but we will need her to um, to really get out on the track and do what she does or has done every game this year on Saturday. So Bulldogs and Carlton again uh, that game 11.35am at Icon Park. Um, then at Rushton Park in the Pill region of WA, it's Fremantle versus Collingwood at 1.30pm in the afternoon uh, for those on the East Coast. For those on the West Coast, it's 10.30am. So it's a bright and early start there. And I guess for Michelle Cowan and the Frio Dockers, they're probably looking at this game of maybe one that they might be able to get the points. 
I think I might have to agree with you because Fremantle only seem to win like a quarter, maybe two, but they don't seem to put it all together, excluding that GWS game. So I think I might go with a winning feel and then keep there with the Pies in that game. Great to see that uh, at least Moana Hope got a goal. She managed to break a bit of the shackles, get herself back into the game. Plenty of others stepping up for the Magpies as well, but uh, the one that uh, will be giving the Freo Dockers nightmares, and she's re- it's almost a homecoming for her because she was recruited from the Coastal Titans. Emma King has really stand through authority as the number one ruck in the competition. Yeah, absolutely. She's a fantastic player. Um, obviously, she stands out because she is so tall. Um, but yeah, she's, she's doing great. And I think there's some other players in Collingwood that are also um, doing re- really well as well. Um, Darcy, I think, is, is doing pretty well. Um, Steph, the captain, she, she's, um, she always plays well. Um, yeah, they've, they've got some really great players, so it's great to see them. It was great to see, even though I am a, a diehard bulldog, it was great to see them get a win last week. And just quickly as well, our thoughts with the Kate Sheehan, which is probably the most cruelest of injuries we've ever seen on a football ground. Uh, literally, her debut game runs out there, runs the first contest, gets a handball received, and the moment she decides to jag and duck under a um, opponent, bang, there goes the knee. Yeah, look. Devastating, absolutely devastating. Um, and I speak there as just an AFLW fan. Um, just yeah, really, really sad for for Kate and for the Pies. Um, that's that's footy, isn't it? There's there's just no guarantees. You don't know what's going to happen when you run out on the field. But um, yeah, wishing her the best for um, um, a really good recovery, and and hopefully she can she can get back back out on the track. It's almost like one big old grand conspiracy. I guess when we all looked at this match at the start of the season, we thought, oh, this would be a, a match between maybe 6th and 7th. Instead, it's 1st versus 2nd, live across the nation on Channel 7. The Adelaide Crows and the Brisbane Lions at Norwood Oval, 7.10pm Eastern Time, uh, local time, 6.40pm. And just to put this in context as well, um, with this being the first um, night game at home that the Crows are, are hosting and both teams undefeated, prior to that game as well, Kirby, there's two Sanford women's matches, which include one match between the two teams who haven't won a game and then the next match between the two teams who are undefeated leading into this undefeated AFLW game. Talk about three even games at the one ground, all with free entry on the same day. Yes, yeah, pretty, pretty fantastic, I think. Um, I, I did actually um, write this week in my column that the AFL could not have scripted this game, even if they tried. Um, you know, one and two, round five, facing off, um, you know, undefeated. It's, it's, it's going to be a fantastic game, whatever the outcome. Um, pretty exciting footy for all us AFLW fans. Um, yes, I'm really, really looking forward to Saturday night. 
undefeated and again live across the nation on Channel 7 as well which is fantastic uh, for both of these sides um, the Brisbane Lions full of stars Sabrina Frederick Traub a uh, NAB Rising Star nominee this week Emma Zilke has been huge for them in the last uh, couple of games as captain Kate McCarthy the woman with the pacemakers always looking dangerous Ashmore's goal an absolute freak they are a highlight reel the Brisbane Lions yeah, absolutely. They have got some absolutely fantastic players, all those that you've mentioned, but also I think Virgo in the back line is, is, is pretty great too. Um, yeah, very, very impressive team. Um, they were definitely underestimated at the start of the competition, but I think they've demonstrated quite clearly that they are not to be underestimated. Um, yeah, really exciting stuff coming out of Brisbane. And as I'm sure you're aware, there's um, 70,000 plus girls and women playing footy in Queensland, so... Can only imagine um, with a successful Brisbane Lions women's team that that is just going to grow. On the Crows side of the equation, Chelsea Randall has been fantastic. Um, is consistent week after week. Ebony Marinoff a quiet week last week. They're hoping for her to try and get back into the game. Uh, Van Hagen's been good for them as well. Uh, Sarah Perkins uh, offering something for them up forward. And uh, the one player, which I admit, I've got egg on my face. I wrote her off before the season going, what are they doing picking her up as a rookie? And she's turned out to be virtually the best player in the competition, Erin Phillips. Yeah, yeah, um, certainly writing her off um, was a mistake, wasn't it? My goodness. Um, yeah, absolute champion. Very exciting to see her out out on the track and, and watch her play, definitely. And um, I've got a lot of time for Sarah Perkins. Um, fantastic story, but um, also just a great player as well. So, um, yeah, lots of exciting stuff coming out of Adelaide too. And I think it's wonderful... Um, given that I believe it's 10 of their players are actually based in the Northern Territory. So I think that's a real credit to their coach, Beck uh, Goddard, that uh, she's been able to bring them together. Huge third quarter, I should say, last week as well against Fremantle from Abby Holmes, who originally is South Australian, but of course now based in the Northern Territory. Her seven disposals in that third term really flicked a switch and let the Crows race away from the Dockers. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe she did get her first goal for the competition on the weekend, um, which is pretty exciting stuff for her personally, as well as for Adelaide Crows. Um, yeah, lots of, lots of talent in that list, definitely. This is going to be the most difficult one of all. Who are you tipping between the Crows and the Lions? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's, it's really tough. Um, almost don't know who to, who to pick, to be honest. Um, almost reluctant to make a pick. Um, but I think I will probably have to go with Adelaide. Um, I think their last couple of games, they've been able to finish really strongly. And um, I expect that they'll be able to do that again against Brisbane. Um, I think it's going to be pretty close, though. Having said that, I don't think it's going to be a don't think it's going to be a runaway win from either team. Um, so I, I will go Adelaide, but I only just. And for the record, I'm going to go for the Brisbane Lions to win by two points in a thriller at Norwood Oval, and I reckon about 
15,000 people will be there for that game uh, live nationwide on Channel 7 under lights at Norwood Oval. Should be a massive occasion. Kirby, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. I'm Peter Holden. We are out of time and we have to go. Just a quick reminder, if you'd like to listen back to this program, you can simply download it from iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search for Girls Play Footy. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Search for Girls Play Footy or go to facebook.com forward slash Girls Play Footy to follow us there. And for all our articles, opinion pieces and match reports, just go to girlsplayfooty.com. Until next time, it's bye for now.